scripture and you can follow along. Romans 6. Look at this. I love Paul. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God. Why don't we just say thanks be to God. That you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. It continues. I'm just going to jump down to verse 20. It says this. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regards to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God. You have become what? Slaves of God. The fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. And then a verse we hear often. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God, the charis, the grace, is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. He's saying amen. And that is an amen statement. That's a powerful verse. But you guys, this is why we need to read the entirety of our Bibles. In, in its context, because not often are we, are we quoting, we must be slaves of God. Slaves of God. We love as Christians the promise of eternal life. And I don't want I'm not removing that. But what is the path here to the eternal life that we receive as an inheritance in Christ Jesus? It's right there in the text. It says, how do you get there? How do you get eternal life? You're being set free from sin. Which comes by what? The grace of God. It's the first thing I talked about. By his grace. It co- you get set free by his grace. Not by your faith. Not by your works. It's by his grace. And by becoming a slave of God. You want eternal life? Oh, it's our promise. It's our inheritance. All of us love, love that. We want that. And it's yours. It's yours. But the real path Scripture says, is to be set free from sin, which happens by his grace alone, and to become a slave of God. Oh, The whole scriptures, especially the New Testament, screen this. Peter, Paul, Timothy, Jude, James, the brother of Jesus, all the early Christians of the church, go read Revelation 1, all bear the first identity as doulos of Jesus. A slave for a lifetime to Jesus Christ. Go read their letters. It's in there. It's going to say servant, but go look at it in the Greek. It's a slave. A doulos. It's almost like our English translation couldn't handle the weight of this reality. But let me tell you, this reality is the way to freedom. To the fullness of joy. To the abundant life. It, do you want to be set free from sin? What does sin lead to? We just read in Romans, it leads to death. 
You want to be set free from sin. You must enslave yourself to the one who is life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And by enslaving yourself to the one who is life, ironically, you actually become free. You actually experience the fullness of joy. <laughs> it's wild. Mm. Do we bear that same identity? Oh, man, this even got me. I'm, this is a little bit of nerdy, but Benji's in the room, and I appreciate him. He just got married. Uh, so this is for him. This is for him. Yeah. Brother in the faith. You guys, this is so wild. It's like, if you look at First Peter, go read First Peter, the intro. How does Peter start this letter? It's, you guys, it's, this is good news. It's a journey, and it's his grace along the way. He's so gracious. Even Peter, in his first letter, this is in his 50s, his late 50s. He's been following Jesus for 30-plus years. Even he starts that letter by saying, Simon Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. But how does he start Second Peter? <laughs> just a few years later the Lord had done a, a deeper work in him just a few years later and he's actually a little bit closer to the reality that he's going to go to a cross for the sake of the one who he loves who trusts that he has the promise of eternal life the second letter of Peter it reads a slave Simon Peter a slave that's his first identity. A slave and an apostle. You know that in the, when they're writing letters back in these days, this was like, this is what you were proud of. This was your prestige. You would open a letter with what, what recognition you had in your life. Your, your, your lineage or all the great things you did or, you know, the general of the eighth degree or whatever, all these things. How does Peter start his? How do the apostles start theirs? Peter, Simon, or sorry, the same person. Peter, Paul, Timothy, all these guys. A doulos, a slave, slave of God. There must be good news in this, you guys. It is, it's good. Thank you, God, that is by your grace, which is the living water beneath our faith to do so that we could walk into this reality as a slave of God. Now, I want to emphasize the becoming. I don't want you to be discouraged. This is not a discouraging message. It doesn't all come at once, right? We see this in Peter in his life. See, we, I'm returning, I want to return to Peter's life really quick to catch this revelation. Peter, in a moment, he experiences the powerful grace of Jesus, right? Calling him out of the boat. He's giving up his trade of fishing. He's giving up the comfort of his own home, of being with his wife. Peter was married. Like, he's giving up some things to follow Jesus. It's costly. Get the call a few years later after he's been following Jesus. He's stepped out of the boat and he's walking with him. And Matthew 16 is a lot deeper. In Matthew 16, it's no longer, just follow me, Peter. Jesus, just follow me, Peter, Jesus says. He actually tells him that you're going to be the rock, the Petros, on which I will build the church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. And then Peter, we know, he starts to, Rebuke Jesus as Jesus tells him, I must go to the cross and I must suffer many things and die and be raised. Peter says, no, no, this won't happen to you, Jesus. Far be it from you. But what does Jesus respond with instead in this deeper call? He says, you must follow me, pick up your cross. If anyone wants to follow me, this might deny themselves, pick up their cross and follow me. See, Peter still had so much to learn. 
He has so much to grow to, grow into in becoming a slave of God. Not just the Christ he wanted to follow, but the real Christ. And I can resonate with Peter, maybe you can, about the reality of growing in counting the cost to follow Jesus. Really quickly, a part of my story and why I was just, the Lord's so gracious to meet me again tonight. Um, I was not raised in a Christian home. I didn't, Jesus was not in my vocabulary. I didn't know anything about God. And I got invited to go to a youth group and I went for a few years and then I finally had time in my busy like soccer schedule, um, which was like my whole life. And I went right before high school, right before entering high school to a summer camp. And I remember, it's so cool, I was... The Lord just brought me to my knees in worship tonight, and he just, I just started weeping again. And he drew me back, like, to that very first brick moment. I didn't know the Lord. It was on a Thursday night. Someone, there was worship, and they started preaching the good news of the cross. And I found myself as a, as a kid full of pride who had only cried twice in his life, especially not in front of anyone, just consumed with pride on his knees, just weeping uncontrollably. And I wasn't weeping because I was sad. I was weeping because for the first time in my life, I experienced the overwhelming love of God. And I, I felt so seen and I felt so known by the Lord in that moment. And he just met me with his grace. He just said, come, just come. And I was full, full of sin, entangled in it. And as I entered high school, just a few months later, Following Jesus, being led by the Spirit, not being led by my flesh, that had some real costs. And I had a lot of things to learn. I needed to be discipled. Very practically, it looked like, like taming my tongue. I, like the, I love in Proverbs, it talks about the tongue has the power to bring life or death. And I was one that spoke a lot of death. Um, and the Lord was saying, no, no, your inheritance, what you've been called to do is to be one who speaks life. And so I went on this journey with the Lord of like him convicting my tongue all the time. Learning to tame my tongue, as it talks about in James. Um, having a new diet, not like physically, but what I fed myself spiritually. Like the music that I listened to, what I filled my ears with. That was for sure a major sanctifying work that the Lord was doing. Um, what I watched, like the Lord was changing what I watched and what I consumed. What I did with my body, um, yeah, thanks be to God that uh, he encountered me right before high school because I know I would have just followed the desires of my flesh, like with women, and like I had this newfound conviction in me from the spirit to like, I'm calling you into a different way. And I had to count the cost, and I said, yeah, you're worth it, Jesus. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust your way as opposed to what my flesh desires. Those costs were real for me as a... As a young high school man, and they were pretty minimal in reality. You know, I, a lot of them, as I reflect back, my, hosp, my heart posture was still operating out of my own strength, my own works to propel my growing faith. If I was a slave to something, I was for sure holding the keys. I was holding the keys to the shackles, the keys to the prison door. Like, I, I was sacrificing some. I was counting some of the cost. But as I love Jordan's analogy from last, year, last week, if you were here, of like leaning forward with ropes, like leaning with all your weight. I was leaning 
never enough to not be in control. I was sacrificing some, but not all. I was never void of my own comfort. And yet, even in the process of becoming a slave, God is and was showing me a testimony of his grace. I didn't walk as a slave when I was in high school fully. I didn't get it. I didn't have the comprehension. But God's grace was enough for what I could bear or understand in that moment in my life. As it was for Simon Peter. Just like Simon Peter, Jesus was taking me on a journey of growing into this identity I was called to bear. I want to share just two more quick testimonies from my life of this journey of faith and what it looked like and just the abundance that comes when you actually choose to follow him as a slave. The first moment really quick was in Belize. I was a junior. This is a few years later in high school, going into my senior year of high school, and God encountered me radically on a night in the middle of the night, and it was so hot, and it radically shifted my faith journey. In short, God opened my eyes to the reality that I had made him savior of my life. Again, I accepted this eternal life, but I hadn't made him Lord. I had him made a Lord, and there's a difference to make him the Lord of your life. And he showed me in a moment, he's like, Kenny, if you don't have me, even with all your accolades, your success, the things that I've given you, the gifts that you have, the skills that you have, if I am not your everything, you actually have nothing. <laughs> and I remember pretty clearly that hot night in Belize as I just sat with the Lord he spoke to me like he spoke to Peter and the other disciples in Matthew 16. He says, if you lose your life, if you choose to lose your life for my sake, you will find it. And then he just like whispered this question to me. Will you make me Lord of your life? Like, will you lose your life so that I could truly be Lord yeah, and I said yes to that, and it just shifted oh, my walk with the Lord radically as I said, yes, you can have my everything, God. You can have my everything. One more story. This is a lot sooner. This is in 2019 after we, my wife and I, Haley, were in San Diego. Uh, we went to PLNU for school, and I, I was following God into the call of ministry on my life. I was studying Christian ministry. After college, I got this incredible opportunity to continue working for Point Loma as an RD, ministering to college students. And we loved, we loved our jobs. We had, uh, like, amazing jobs, amazing place to be. Our families, where we grew up, is our hometown we just, our life was good. Like, our life was really good. And in 2019, early 2019, God began speaking to me. It started in a whisper, and he was saying, Kenny, you are not called to comfort. And initially, when you hear something like that from the Lord, you know, you're like, oh, it's a whisper. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it was me. Could have been me. I don't know. But the Lord started to get a little bit louder. And it was wild. Like, as I reflect, you, like, started, like, showing me. This has never happened to me before. But, like, on, like, billboards or, like, in the clouds, like, kind of like Bruce Almighty stuff. It was, like, he kept saying, like, you're not called to comfort. And I was, like, what is this? I'm not kidding you. It's weird. This never happened to me. 
even sense. But he, he got louder in my ear. He said, Kenny, you're not called to comfort. And I finally was obeying. I was like, okay, I'm going to go to you, Lord. What do you mean? What do you mean? I like came to him in prayer. And immediately, again, this was pretty new for the way that God spoke to me. He didn't speak to me in this way back then in 2019. He took me into a vision. And he took me on this vision. It was 10 years later from that point in our lives, back in 2019. And Haley and I had, had family. We had some kids. And we were in San Diego. And we were with our extended family. And we had this beautiful life. We had a good life. And it was, it was nice. It was, like, comfortable. And then at the end of the vision, there was this large banner. And it just said, I have far more for you if you leave. I have far more for you if you leave. And I knew in that moment that I had to get with Haley. And we had to start praying to the Lord of, like, okay, Lord, we're listening. Where do you want us to go to? What do you want? What have I held on to that I need to release to you? And man, he took me on a good journey. He took us on a good journey. Just fast forward. Well, I think a cool story a long way. We, we, we went on a road trip later that, that summer. Well, Lord, where do you want us to go? And we knew the main thing you was marking us with was we want you to be, I want you to be in a house where you can let your roots just grow deep and you can commit your family to, to growing in that house of, of God. Like the local church is so important to my story. And he said, I want you to just to birth it and grow it in the local church. And I've, I've had connection with Riley Werner for a long time and some of the, the Werner family. And I started listening to Jordan's sermons online. And I just felt a burning that we, there was a connection happening there. And we went out to Boise and a handful of other states. And at the end of that trip, we were like 99% sure this is where the Lord was calling us. And so, yeah, we, we basically knew we were going to move. Um, we, we felt... Like, we were supposed to be committed to our jobs for that school year as I was working for Point Loma. But at the end of the school year, we were going to leave. And we were going to move up here in faith. And I remember as I was looking for jobs, this is early 2020, right before COVID was happening. I was holding that really lightly, too, of, Lord, what do you want me to do? Like, I'm, I want to release the comfort that I have. I know I've actually been called when I was 17 to, to be a minister to young people in the local body. And you haven't taken me into that yet. I would love to do that. But I know that I'm called to Riverhouse. And we're just called to serve there. Like, I know this is going to be an organic work of your hands. And I don't know when that is. And so I was like, what does it look like? And ironically, the one thing that kept popping up on the job boards as I was searching and trying to be obedient, it came out of conviction of a conviction scripture as I was reading in Matthew um, about Jesus separating the sheep and the goats. And, and he was saying, like, those who visit me in prison, like, those, you are the truly, truly, you are the ones that, like, came to me and know me, like, those who visited me. And I felt this stirring in me of the Lord saying, you've never visited me, my people, in prison, and there was this job that I had no, no, zero 
I'm being honest with you, zero desire to do. And it was to be um, a jail detention deputy. And if the Lord's called you to this, like, bless your heart. This is so good. Um, but it was never a desire for me. He, there was this job at Ada County to work in the jail. And it was the one job. And I said, oh, out of conviction, Lord, I'll apply. I'll just apply and see what happens. And I applied. And long story short, I get through all the hoops and we start going and we move, we move January 1st of 2020 and we don't have jobs. We bought a house and we don't have jobs and, <laughs> and now we've got a mortgage and we still don't have jobs. And I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm staying faithful to this role to go work in a jail. Um, I've never even like fired a gun and I personally don't even like guns, but no problem if you do. But like, this is not what, but I'm trusting you. Like I, this is so far out from what I wanted to do. But I just felt like the Lord was just saying, trust me in it. Trust me in it. And fast forward, it's two weeks before I'm starting the job. It's like mid-August. I've gotten suited, like fitted in my suit and everything. I've got all the gear. I've signed the contract. Two-year commitment to, to this uh, academy, to be in the academy. And like $10,000 that I was liable to if I didn't follow through with a two-year commitment to the academy. But the Lord was working in me, and I actually had peace. I finally got to a place of peace, like, Lord, I trust you in this. And I'm going to go minister to those in the prison. I'm going to see your face in those who are incarcerated. I'm going to see your face in them. This is what he says, Matthew 25. And so I was actually getting excited. And then two weeks before that, I get a call. Still don't have a job, so I was playing pickleball at the park. And I get a call from Robin Werner. And I was like, this is random. Like, Robin's calling me. And so I take it because she's a powerful woman of God. And so you answer her calls when she calls you. Come on. You know. And she, she answers. She just starts saying, Kenny, we've been praying for months about you stepping into this role at Riverhouse of leading our youth ministry in a time of transition. And we've known about this, and we've been praying into it. And we want you to come and apply to step into this role to lead the youth ministry in this next season out of COVID. And I was like, it was completely out of left field for me. I had no idea it was a deep desire, but it was no agenda in us moving here. I had no idea there was even a shift happening in who was leading it. And I was just kind of like shell-shocked, honestly. And I get home, I remember, and I am telling Haley, my wife, and Jordan, my sister-in-law who's here, um, I just start sharing with them, like, you guys, I'm toiling. This is like the dream of my heart, what I was called to when I was 17 like, what an amazing opportunity. But I'm at peace with what the Lord has called me to. And I'm thankful for my sister-in-law. She said she got this picture, like, right away. And she's like, Kenny, I feel like the Lord is giving you this opportunity that you are like Abraham in this moment. And you, you've been faithful to listen to my calling, to go where you don't want to go, and to step into something that you don't want to step into. That's far out of your comfort. You've left your home and your family, and you've moved here, and now you're stepping into this job that you don't want to do, but you've trusted me in it. And he took me up the hill, and, and Isaac's on the altar, but he's now he's saying, look, I'm providing. I'm providing a ram because I'm just that good. Like, I'm just that good. And, I, and, I, and you, when you step out and trust me, and I just, I'm a provider. Like, I'm so good. And she shared that with me, and it just kind of wrecked me of, like, that the Lord would do that for me. And so 
Long story short, actually short story short, it was only a few, like a week later, I apply, and then a few days later, they're saying, oh, we want you to step into the role if, it, if you want to, if you feel peace about it. And on September 1st of 2020, instead of starting, it was the day I was supposed to start at the jail, actually, I started uh, with River House um, as the youth, youth pastor and leading the ministry, and man, I can't, I could go on and on about God's faithfulness. On and on about his faithfulness and his goodness. Man, those who lose their life for my sake will find it. All right. I've got one more point. Can you guys hang in there? Is that all right? Okay, this is my last point, and I'll wrap up. The last final point in sustaining faith to following Jesus for a lifetime is number three, the holy gift and spiritual practice of remembrance. Specifically, remembering God's grace. I'm just going to flash to Peter really quick. Peter goes on. You know his story, hopefully. He goes on to deny Jesus again, right? He's before the, when Jesus is getting led to be crucified. He denies Jesus. Days later, however... The resurrected Jesus reveals himself to Peter and the disciples and says, Peace be with you. And he breathes on them, receive the Holy Spirit. A handful of days pass from then. And, and what happens? We, we see in John. Jesus gets encountered a few more times with the disciples by the resurrected Lord. Resurrected Jesus. And yet, just a few days after that, Jesus, or Peter says, Peter says to the boys, to the disciples, I'm going fishing. I'm going fishing again, you guys. See, Peter knows the call. He's seen the reality of the kingdom of heaven come down in its fullness, resurrected Jesus. And yet something in Peter is like, I'm going back fishing. Peter is in for a surprise, though. Jesus, like he always does, meets Peter in that moment with his grace. And not only just his grace, but the gift of remembrance. The gift of remembrance. And we actually practiced this earlier today, right? And he, what does he do? We know he's on the shore, and they don't know it's Jesus. And Jesus says, cast your nets on the other side. They hadn't caught anything again all night long. And so they do it. They cast their nets and what happens? Suddenly, another miracle. Jesus fills the fish, or fills the net full of fish. And the nets are breaking, and they're heaving the fish back into the boat. Are you guys catching, like, what? Immediately in this moment, it is drawing Peter back to that first brick. The first brick. The first moment he was met by Jesus' grace. The boat is being filled again. <laughs> and then John... It says in, in the book of John, he says, It is the Lord, he exclaims. And when Peter heard this and he sees the miracle happening and his mind is being pulled back by the gift of remembrance to his very first moment with Jesus, it says he flings himself out of the boat and goes towards Jesus. He just flings himself out of the boat and starts running to Jesus in the water. They all get to the shore, the boat. This time they use the fish and... You know, they cook some up, they have breakfast, and 
you know, Jesus isn't done with his gift of remembrance here. He sits down with them and has breakfast. Most likely, this is another moment of remembrance with the disciples, a flashback moment, just to common practices that they did with Jesus often. This doesn't seem like a radical miracle of the filling of the boat with fish. Yet why is this odd detail out of all the powerful moments in Scripture, why is it included that he would sit down and have breakfast with them? I think God wants to show us that even in the mundane, he is holy. Even in the mundane, he will give us a reality of his grace. The mundane, just sitting down with the resurrected Lord, having breakfast like they often did around a fire. I'm going to conclude with this. This is a reading from where this story finishes up in John 21. Starting at verse 15, it says, When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. Jesus said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. And he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, Jesus said to him, follow me. Follow me. We started with a reading from some of the final words of Peter to his believers after decades of learning to live out the full call to follow Jesus. Peter wrote, inspired by the Holy Spirit, a message to encourage them, encourage us by God's grace to live an entire life of faith pleasing to God. I just want you guys to pray with me. And I feel like the Holy Spirit was highlighting just a few things to just respond to, to the Lord. And so if the ministry team wants to come up and just be a supportive, anyone needs someone to be, to pray with, to confess with, to lay hands on for encouragement, you guys can come forward. And yeah, Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would continue to just have your way in us as you have spoken to us your word, God. We thank you, Jesus, for the revelation of your grace. And it's by your grace that we could walk into a, 
a calling to follow you with our lives, to be a slave to you, God to trust you with our life and to know in trusting you that we would die to sin, but we would be raised to life. How much more would we be raised to life if we trust you, God? That's the promise, the inheritance we have in you, Jesus. Yeah, I felt like the Lord was highlighting just a few people in the room to respond to, or maybe it's many, I don't know. But I felt like the Lord was saying, some of you need to come and use the altar space as a place of repentance to say, in my walk with you, Lord, recently or in the last few years or even decades, I've made the call to follow you more about my faith than about your grace. And the Lord just wants you to just come receive his grace. Where it all started, where it's sustaining you throughout the entirety of your life, through the ups and downs, through the journeys, through the mountains, through the moments where you're on a path and you're like, this path is not clear. I think it's narrow, but I'm not sure. It's always been his grace to give you the next step to go forward in faith. And so I just want you to come forward, if that's you, to receive his grace. Some of you need to come before the Lord and own the identity that you are a doulos, a slave to Jesus. Even if that is terrifying or your, gra- your faith seems too weak, for that kind of identity. What do you you make that your your first identity like the disciples did? A slave to Jesus. I want you to come forward and just kneel before the Lord. And I want you to remember it's by his grace that you journey into that reality and he honors and provides the way forward. He provides the way forward as you count the cost to which he has called you to. He provides the grace and he provides the way for you to walk into that identity. And then lastly, I felt like the Lord was saying that some don't believe being a slave to Jesus for a lifetime is worth it. They don't believe that it's worth it. Jesus wants to tell you tonight, this is the way to the abundant life. Those who lose their life for my sake will find it. His words are trustworthy and true. If you lose your life to him, if you deny yourself, you will find it. You will find the abundant life that your soul, your inner being has longed for. You will experience really living when you enslave yourself to the one who is the way and the truth and the life. The altar space is open if you need to respond to one of those callings that the Holy Spirit is prompting. And if not, that's totally okay. You can sit in your seats if you just need to rest in his presence. If you need to head out with your family and get your kids, you are fully dismissed to go and go in peace and in the joy of the Lord that it is his grace that 
you live and move and you have your being. It fuels your faith. So, yeah, we just thank you, Jesus. And just this space is open for you to get with the Lord and spend some time with the Lord.